Hello friends, this is the AlphaList podcast. I am your host Toby. The goal of the AlphaList podcast is to empower CTOs with the info and insight they need to make the best decisions for their company. We do this by hosting top thought leaders and picking their brains for insights into technical leadership and tech trends. If you believe in the power of accumulated knowledge to accelerate growth, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Plus, if you're an experienced CTO, you will love the discussion happening in our Slack space where over 600 CTOs are sharing insights or visit one of our events. Just go to alphalist.com to apply. This podcast is proudly presented by Full Story. Want to see how users actually experience your website or app? Traditional analytics tools require extensive tagging, yet end up missing data points. Pure session replay or heat map tools are limited as you're always looking for a needle in a haystack. Full Story has the solution for both problems. The tool helps you understand your UX in depth. Full Story's technology retroactively captures all interactions and surfaces actionable insights for you, while being fully GDPR compliant. Full Story's metrics proactively show you frustration signals, bugs, and lost conversions so you find optimization potential you didn't even know you were looking for. Plus, you get segmented session replays to understand the why. You can find Full Story on OMR Reviews or visit fullstory.com slash alphalist to learn more. There you can request a personalized demo for your use case or get to know the platform through a free trial. Welcome to the Alphalist Podcast. I am your host, Toby. And today with me is Dominic. Uh, Dominic is the CEO and co-founder of the CMS Storyblock that I, I guess like almost everyone out there knows. And um, from my perspective, they have like a brilliant growth story. They are 100% remote first and they know how to build developer products. So um, the idea today is to really focus on that. Uh, welcome, Dominic. Thanks again. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. Uh, like, First of all, you 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 first, you initially bootstrapped um, and, and then you raised, I think, over 50 million last year. Is that true? So um, we are bootstrapped fully and we raised a total of 58 million. But last year was only short of like 50 million with 47 million. So in that last Crazy. Year. Why? Um, why? Why did we raise so much, or why did we only yes. raise? Yes. Why? 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 Uh, like uh, these days, it's kind of cool to be a bootstrapper. Like, why? Why did you derive from that that coolness uh, to to, um, to to the yeah. very much VC driven? Yeah. So for us, um, it was actually me building like the, the whole product in the beginning. So from 2017 to late 2019, and at the time we were already. Um, like working together with 25,000 customers on the platform, fully bootstrapped. So we made about a million in ERR, uh, mostly self-service. And then more and more large enterprise customers came to us. And we felt like we, we owed them some kind of support that we expected from the other CMSs on the market. And we are still using other CMSs. So for us, it was like, how can we finance it? How can we help like build a better, a better platform? And, and at the end, uh, how can we service all those customers at the same time, right? So for us, the only way of doing that, plus also have uh, a lot of security for the people that we would hire, uh, would be the VC route. And the VC route doesn't mean you need to um, grow exponentially and, and, and break the company on, on the go. Uh, you can also grow fast uh, and, and scale in a nice way. You know, like there's different approaches to it. Okay, interesting. But typically, you have then like a bit of growth pressure if if you if, if you do it that way, um, uh, like. For, like your your history kind of reminds me of um my my early days as a programmer when like i don't know if you know that 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 time like in in the like let's say 90s to to zeros when like i i was a php dude back then uh, and and everyone around me was building a cms like and and you told me when we were first first talking that uh, you also had an agency and then you built out that CMS uh, out of that agency and so on. Tell us a bit more about that. Yes, yeah, so Alex and I were, were part of an agency and 
funny enough, uh, Alex and I, we both started in PHP as well. And Alex built a PHP CMS back in the early days as well. Uh, but the concept was slightly different. So only in the in the, the CMS that we, we like now poured uh, so much time into, like Storyblock, uh, we actually made something different. And you know, like a CMS is not always a CMS. Uh, content management system by now means so much. You can go into e-commerce, you can go into full database approach, uh, or you can focus more on the marketing side. And, and we did like a split where the UI uh, is built purely for marketers, while the API product of it, like the management API and the read-only content delivery API, those are built for, for developers, right? So this was the big difference that we we, we started building upon. And when you realize you, you save about 60% of every project, like in terms of time uh, within an agency, and you might uh, realize that, hey, maybe somebody else wants to use it as well. And, and then one thing went to another. And I have to tell you too, like, <laughs> we, we didn't, we didn't plan to, to build a CMS that, that people actually like at that point. We actually just built a prototype and uh, then started to get traction purely uh, word of mouth. Like literally people just told other people and it just started to scale. Okay, interesting. And, and and you yourself, you're also a, a techie, so you were like yes. a, a, a a band of techies back then. Yeah, so so I, I still call myself developer. Uh, I guess many people would disagree by now. Uh, no, but Alex and I, we've been uh, like developers since like ever. Um, Alex is a little bit longer than I am. Uh, so Alex is like 34 right now. Um, he has been a developer since like 15 years, something like that. Before that, he was a designer. Uh, so he's a self-taught developer. And I, for myself, uh, I, I actually didn't study uh, software engineering. In Austria, there's a different kind of school system uh, that allows you to jump into development when you're like 13, something like that. Uh, so that that was quite nice, and I started selling my first sites when I was 15, built on PHP. Then actually moved into Java backend development, uh, C sharp as well. Moved into frontend, uh, and uh, yeah, ever since then we we build things, right? So it didn't stop with Storyblock. And, and and at a certain point, you also pivoted to Rails, as as I did as well. Yeah. Um, why is that? Ah, a friend of mine told me when, when before I started using Ruby on Rails. Um, that it feels like you're just like wearing a pajama that is super comfy and you don't have to, to basically get on, on something else, right? Because it just works. Uh, and I was super intrigued coming from like the Java PHP kind of site of things where things were slow back then. Uh, and when, when I tried Ruby, especially with Rails, um, there was so many things just done right. Uh, and as soon as you scale your team, having the same conventions, uh, basically already built into the framework you're using, um, it, it was just faster for us, right? So, and I guess same same is true for you. Like, if you're looking back at the Ruby, like it felt yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, it just felt right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, as as soon as long as you don't have anything in production and you're like in the early phase of building, uh, if you if you enter like the late phase of building, uh, like things start feeling wrong every once in a while. Um, but I guess you know that as well, right? If you have like something, um, something production ready, then yeah, type safety could be a plus. There are uh, some nice things uh, to type safety for for sure. Yeah, uh, but I tell you what, we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, want to miss it. Uh, the the way we were able to scale with Ruby and Ruby on Rails so far with our APIs uh, was just phenomenal. Like the, the front end, we we switched over to Vue.js really early on. Like version zero point eleven was like the version we used to actually start out with Vue.js. Um, Actually, the first version of Storybook was built with PHP, and we switched to Ruby and Vue.js um, and we realized, hey, things like with reloading isn't that nice. Mm. Okay. Uh, and you essentially picked one route then um, where you mix languages. Like, uh, do, do you regret that? Like, you have you have Ruby on the backend side, and then you have have Node.js and, and, and Vue.js in the front end. And, and, and from my perspective, it's kind of can be bumpy. <laughs> like, uh, actually, 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 we really liked it, you know. Um, so Alex was was more on, on the Ruby side and, and especially Rails side. I was more on the front-end side at the time. So the, the split between front-end and back-end for us was, was quite nice, especially thinking of, hey, we, we do have two products. One, the, the management API, the uh, content delivery API that we created for developers. Uh, so it was nice to have it split away, right? And the UI itself was created for marketeers. So it was a completely different user group. And having those things not just um, separate in your mind, but also in the code base was really nice. And at the same time, given that the, the UI of Storyblock is just another customer of the management API itself, it helped us actually to get the API to a level where it is 
like really useful by now. <laughs> and and it, so you would do it again. You would choose exactly the same tech stack again as if uh, as of as of today. So, so far, we we didn't hit any roadblockers. So I guess yes, we would. Yeah. yeah. There's some cool things would, where you could do something like Rust, uh, which might be a little faster when it comes to to um, yeah, delivery of content and something like that. But at the end, uh, if you have a, a proper cache strategy and if you know how to, to scale your infrastructure, uh, and we are using AWS here, so um, it's, yeah. it's quite quite it makes sense to just yeah do the things with the tools that you already know. I mean, there's some things that we did differently, you know, like the, the image optimization service that we created, which we call Image Service. Um, we built with, with Python, so it just makes sense to use tools that are fit for whatever you're building. And Ruby on Rails is perfect for REST APIs that we have started with. Uh, Vue is amazing when you want to build views, right? So that, that's actually really, really nice. Um, looking in Python now for image optimization and image um, like manipulation, perfect tool for that as well. So yeah, I, I guess we would, would do the same. Okay. Um, I, 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 like my perspective is kind of sometimes very critical towards the, the single page web app world. Uh, but that is also due, like due to the fact that, uh, like in many cases, you still want to add server side rendering, which I guess you don't really need, right? Um, if, if I, if I see it correctly or. Uh, yeah, so for our application, like the, the app.storyblock.com, yeah. you don't need it. You don't okay. need it all. It's a pure CRUD application. You don't need any server-side component to it. Of course, you could do some some things where you already pre-render certain elements of the, the UI already for, for, for the customer. But at the end, if you have a proper SPA with uh, a lot of like caching and, and lazy loading attached to it and a lot of progressive enhancement where you just load things that are working for your browser, like there's nothing that stops you for for a website. I would never recommend an SPA. Uh, mm. there, there are easier ways to. Our website right now is is running on Sinatra and, and Liquid, uh, so <laughs> that is not a problem. It's quite old school. <laughs> yeah, but to be honest, that's the beauty. So we started with Storyblock at the same time when we built the first site, and the first site we never relaunched. We just recreated the elements and components all the time, and so we we never had the the. Yeah, the pain of, of like relaunching it. Um, but given that we now have a website team, they're currently rebuilding it in Astro. So there will be changes happening on the side. In Astro. And that means, yeah, yeah, you have to use your, your CMS. Uh, obviously, you can't use WordPress for your website, right? Oh, we never did. We never did. We, we know about com uh, competitors that actually did. So it's, yeah. it's super fun. <laughs> that used WordPress for their own website. That used while, WordPress for their uh, blog. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we saw a couple of them. I, I can imagine because it's kind of a no friend setup, right? Uh, many marketers can work with it, uh, but if if you build a tool that addresses marketers, then um, it, it it might be weird, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for us, it was like a complete no go. <laughs> how, how how big is your team these days? So we, by now it's two hundred thirty five people uh, in forty seven countries. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that, that's that's quite huge. And and uh, is there like a Geographical center, or is it like fully distributed? Fully distributed, like we don't have offices. Um, actually, right now I'm in my home office as well. Uh, same is true for most of our of our teammates as well. Um, some of them are in co-working spaces, but not in like one, but in the one that is closest to their home. Uh, so even that is distributed. And uh, I'm currently in Austria, so there are a couple of people in Austria, not in my hometown, but uh, surrounding Austria because of like um, taxes, finance. Uh, and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, but looking, for example, development, there's a lot of things happening in Brazil right now. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe may due to Alex, uh, like living there as well. Uh, so for us, it was like a big, big kind of like no brainer to move. Um, yeah, to where people are actually, or have them not move actually. Um, and I, I once had the CTO of GitLab here in the, in the, in the podcast, and they are kind of one of the remote first companies. And, um, that was a, like a great, uh, great, great to understand what they, what they do and how, um, what, what about yourself? Like, do you, or Storyblock, do you, do you organize, organize like a yearly summit? Uh, do you, do you encourage teams to meet regularly? Uh, how, how do you, do you manage that? Yeah, so so we started hiring in 2020. So before that, there were no team retreats because it was literally yeah. Alex and me sitting next to each other with a beer <laughs> and you're in some kind of office space. Uh, then COVID hit. So in 2000, uh, 2020 and 2021, there was also no no way of us getting the team together. Uh, so only last year in 2022, uh, there were the department meetings uh, that has ha that have happened. So um, like sales came together um, or development team came together and, and so on. 
Um, we made it on a department level because the risk for us as a company was just smaller in that way uh, rather than like having all 200 people in one place uh, and having people might be infected. Uh, so uh, the whole company gets ill. Uh, having like the small departments, we felt like there's a risk that we can, we can estimate and it's okay. It turned out to be fine. Uh, for this year in September, we plan to have our first ever team retreat. Uh, we should be at about 250, 260 people by then. Uh, so I'm actually super excited to finally see them in person, or at least most of them. And, and where do you do that? Um, that's a good question. We, we got an event agency to help us with that because the, the largest pain we thought first would be the amount of people, but then realized, no, that's actually not a big, big topic. It's the, the visa. So yeah. getting the visa for everybody uh, globally to enter one point at the same time, uh, that is quite a challenge and you should definitely start like four or five months before you you actually like want to do that event. Uh, so most likely it will be something in Spain or something mm -hmm. around like uh, Portugal uh, just because of the visa situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lisbon and, and uh, uh, Barcelona are kind of... Uh, yeah, these spaces. Ready yeah. for that, right? <laughs> also, in terms of like having having a nice a nice uh, place where people really enjoy staying, um, uh, is is also quite important, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it will be the first time, so there uh, will be a lot of of like social kind of events happening as well. But it will not just be social kind of topics and team building things. Um, we actually want to work there, <laughs> so uh, there needs to be a, enough like meeting rooms. There needs to be a, enough mm -hmm. kind of of like. Yeah, kind of presentation stages where we can showcase new product features, where we can showcase uh, new new innovations that we are building right now, but also give people insight into sales, marketing, and other opportunities that we are currently doing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for for how long do you plan that? Like how many days? Uh, it should be a full week, so of five days actually. So five arrive days. on Monday okay. um, and fly back on Friday. Which is also an investment for people with families and so on. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, def definitely. And oh, okay. uh, it's actually still an investment, not just for, for the families, but also from a company yeah. perspective. Okay, cool. Um, you mentioned the uh, co-working spaces. Like, do you encourage people to work in co-working spaces or can they request something? Like, is that, is that given that like everyone can, can get like a seat in a co-working space or? Yeah, exactly that. Everybody that wants to, to use a co-working space, they can do that. Uh, we usually partner with uh, uh, a service or a company called Regus or Reaches. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. They are globally available. They have misses and launches. They have like proper desks that you can rent. Mm -hmm. There's a flex system or as a complete, like this is your desk kind of situation. And uh, if people want to use that, they're they're always happy to just go there. Uh, but it's an either or kind of situation. So if you want to use co-working spaces, we will like purchase and, and rent the equipment you would need, uh, like a proper screen, proper chair and all those things for you for that location. And we would not duplicate it for your home setup as well. Uh, so if you want to have a home setup with all your all your stuff, um, we would set it up there. So we would not buy multiple like home setups for different locations. Uh, how, how do you do, uh, like, uh, Dragos is like the boring version of WeWork, I guess, right? As far as I, I have, have it in mind. <laughs> they Some to people be... told me it's, it's the WeWork <laughs> that works, but uh, that, that's not me to judge. Uh, how do you do procurement for your stuff? Like your hardware uh, is obviously like... Um, Delivering hardware at the at a at a decent level of quality, maybe even managed devices and so on throughout the globe, is a challenge, isn't it? Yes, and it was definitely a big challenge back in 2020 because there was literally nothing around that. Uh, but uh, end of 2020, there were things popping up, and the one we settled for is called Hofi, uh, H O F Y uh, dot. I believe. Uh, and uh, this platform is essentially more or less an, an e-commerce store that you yourself as a company owner and procurement team can set up with like devices, chairs, tables, webcam, and all kind of, of like equipment you might need. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can also strip bundles, uh, like bundles, like you want your sales team to have always a MacBook and a proper webcam, proper microphone or headset or something like that. And then you can send it to them at once. And then you can give all your team members also credits where they can then customize the setup. So um, some people want to have like a magic mouse. Some other people want to have a normal mouse. Some people want to have two screens. Some want one screen. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's always this kind of difference that they might want to choose. And then you can give them like the the, the credit uh, kind of score that they can just swipe through essentially. And then they get this delivered and have it at their, their home step uh, immediately uh, to set up. 
and if you order a Mac there, I guess it's then already managed or you can at least integrate it in your in your infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. so for MDM, we use Kanji uh, and so on. So that, that uh -huh. can also be set up. Okay, but they are flexible there. Uh, not that uh, I want to do advertising for them, but is, is it then rented hardware? Like, do you rent your it's stuff? It's rented or? hardware. Yeah, yeah. In, in, a, in a remote setting, I highly recommend rent, uh, rented hardware kind of setup because if you need to onboard somebody quickly and you purchase that first and you purchase it to, to your, like, like, if you don't have an office, so it's hard for me to say office address. But if I would order it to my home address and then reship it somewhere else, it's super expensive, but I would mm. need a certain like shipping address to, to some extent to get it uh, into our tax records. Uh, so we ignored it completely and said, okay, we just rent it. Uh, for that, we cannot like write it off from tax reasons because it's rented. Uh, and it's not purchased, but at the end, it helped us really a lot because um, if a device breaks, we can just issue um, a, a new one immediately in 24 oh. hours to like 48 hours later, they have the new uh, MacBook uh, at, the, at the door again and, and everything works again, mm -hmm. which is really mm -hmm. nice. And they also mm -hmm. like, like get it back for you. So uh, if you're in a situation where you would need to do offboarding, uh, you don't have to think about, okay, how do they ship it back? Do you need to have like a local vendor um, that actually takes like the devices, the table or like a, a chair, something like that? Uh, no, you can just say, hey, are we are currently offboarding this person. Uh, so there's somebody coming to, to their place and basically taking those things um, together with them in the packages and just have it available ah, yeah, for somebody okay. else. So you don't have to trust your people. <laughs> oh, other way around. Uh, you actually have to trust them, definitely, uh, because yeah. you actually don't know what, what's going to happen with the devices. And we had the case where people just um, like disappeared, essentially. Um, so they, they moved flats um, without telling us and also didn't uh, yeah, show back once, once we wanted to offboard them. So there are devices that are just left and then you need to pay them out from the, the renting kind of agency. But um, that, that's like the, the risk of remote work. Mm -hmm. um, one, one big topic is also like, do you employ people really, or do, do, do you work with freelancers? Like, what, what is your your perspective on that? Yeah, so for us, it's uh, an employee of record kind of style, except for Germany and, and uh, also Austria as well as Brazil, that yeah. we do have our own entities. Yeah, and everywhere else there's tools like Remote.com, uh, Let'sDeal.com, Velocity in the US. Yeah, and every partner with an employer of record essentially. Okay. Okay, so you essentially don't mind, um, and and as long as in a certain country, or what happens if you let, let's say you you grew like you grow like a, a very large team in, in Poland, would you then also think about like opening a subsidiary there, or is there like a no. rule of thumb, or should should not be the should not be the case? No, too complex. Um, the the main reason for us to open a subsidiary is not so so much on the employed side because uh, you can employ them with an employee of record. Yeah. And if you're not the only customer of that person, especially in design, for example, you can still work with contractors. That's that's like a normal contractor work. You don't don't employ them at that, that level. Uh -huh. uh, but for for us to establish an entity would be more on on the the sales side. So, for example, in the US, it might make sense for us to establish a US entity mm -hmm. uh, simply because somebody should like have direct uh, liability in that country with certain um, lo local laws that we need to fulfill. Yeah, and then we would go for a subsidiary in a certain country. Okay, revenue has to be there. Interesting. Revenue, we would need to switch over there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, well. do you have do you have tips on 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 remote hiring these days? I guess like no one really uh, will 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 tell the best <laughs> the best hiring tips uh, tips in a podcast, but. Oh, we can, we can certainly. So, so we're trying a lot of things. So there's a, a job fair that we are going to, to have like on the 23rd of February. It's the first time where we do like everybody can just come in and, and talk with us essentially. So mm -hmm. it's like this, this cultural kind of fit for a remote kind of setup culture and motivation is way more important than the actual like skill tests. Um, what we do is normally we do have a two stage kind of uh, sales process. Uh, first time is, uh, or one of our recruiters, talent acquisition team members interviews you 30 minutes and explains your task that is going to happen together with a hiring manager, which is usually the person that is currently hiring for that role. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's this task that you get for like basically at home kind of style. Um, it's usually something that you would also do on your day by day tasks or something like that. Uh, that is not used pass in any way, but is helping you to get an understanding of what, what's going to happen in that role. And then this will be presented. And this is like this form of like validation of, do you know what you're talking about or not? 
Uh, but other than that, it's purely on a motivation and cultural thing. And for us, in a remote setup, I highly recommend hiring more senior person uh, because you would need people that know how they work, not necessarily uh, how they work with your team, but know how they themselves work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work in the morning or in the afternoon. Do they know how to do time management? Uh, are they aware that they will be not having somebody that goes with them on a coffee chat right there, uh, like every day, essentially, because it's mm-hmm. not in an office. So seniors would be easier on the recruitment side. I mean, it comes to to channels, I guess, um, having sponsorships all over the place together with OMR or something like that. This is a good way to, to actually brand yourself. Uh, shameless plug there, but uh, it actually works. Uh, we got uh, a lot of, of good candidates in. So yeah, there's so many options you can go for. And it depends on what you're searching for. If you're searching for amazing finance people, you might want to look into Switzerland because that's where all the money of the world basically sits. If you want to talk to, uh, to somebody uh, for sales, like PDRs, SDRs, uh, talks a lot of languages. Highly re- uh, recommend Barcelona because they speak so many languages. Yeah. So you might want to think different here. Yeah. So you get like specialists from each of the countries. Where, where do you find good developers? Oh, globally. <laughs> that's, that, globally. That's, that's the only thing where... But I have to say, like developers are literally everywhere. You, you know, like you can find like the best people for certain DevOps topics, for example, in, in Brazil. Like the person running infrastructure at Storyblock is just a, a mastermind. What he does with Terraform and Kubernetes in like two weeks is something I would not be able to do in a year. So it's it's just mind blowing. Okay, uh, and and do you have any any platforms that are good for for remote hiring? Like, do you? Do, I don't know. Do you search on, on on Stack Overflow, or do you search search on which is which is a bit outdated, I guess, or you search on Remote OK, or what? What is what is? Uh... So so for us, we actually by now only use Smart Recruiter, uh, and mm-hmm. with Smart Recruiter, you can basically select uh, remote kind of outlets and, and share mm-hmm. for that. Um, for some roles, we did specific uh, outlets that have focus on not just remote, but that kind of of role that we would are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no particular one that I would recommend because it really depends on, on the, the role that you're searching for. If you're mm-hmm. searching for mm-hmm. developers, you might want to actually sponsor like an event in that area or the technology that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You would not just post random posts on LinkedIn and stuff like that. You would actually go into the community and talk to them, which is way, 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 way easier. Like the first, oh, fun, fun story. Like the, the first thing uh, or the first developer that ever joined us, uh, we found by Alex creating a GitHub issue for uh, a few jazz conference in Brazil uh, that we are searching for developers. And literally like the two that we, we got in uh, were like the, the, the ones that re- applied from, from there. Um, okay, understood. One thing, like uh, we we briefly touched trust um, connected to like hardware and laptops, uh, but but generally, I mean, trust is a is a big topic in in, in remote first. Um, do you fully trust your people, and that's like your your concept, or do you also have, I don't know, I don't want to say like surveillance, but um, do, do you have tools to uh, like check productivity? Do you have feedback processes where you stay engaged with the people? I mean, engagement is very important, right? Um, and I guess like th- there are some tools. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, do you trust your leaders uh, that everyone is productive? Uh, also, like the developers are fully productive or do you do something there? Like, how do you see that? So- Yes, we trust our people 100%, but uh, a company that doesn't trust the people should rethink their organization. So, <laughs> Correct. Like, that, that, that's a given. Uh, and of course, we do have KPIs. Of course, we do have uh, somewhat of a tracking, uh, but this is, comes natural because people want to improve on themselves as well. Yeah. So we're not tracking, like for some countries, we have to track on time because it's le- legally obligated for us to mm-hmm. do that. Like uh, Germany, but it's not, right? yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, but it's not something that we, we like put too much kind of, of like thought into. Um, only if they would overrun like the hours, then we would tell them, hey, you should really reconsider how you work because you should not work like 20 hours a day. I haven't had the case yet, but that that's usually not the case that people would, would do that. Um, for developers, we do have a chart where we have normal like storyboards. We have like scores that we want in certain sprints. And we can see how many bugs we are, we're fixing. We can measure like uh, the, the net promoter score for our customers. Um, and we t- tend to to actually like try to, to get this kind of metrics in. 
because they are more important to us than like timing kind of, of, of expectation versus realities in KPIs. And we also do have uh, an internal performance uh, review uh, every year. We, first time we have been doing that right now, essentially. So literally right now, there's a merit increase attached to like a performance increase as well. Uh, and there's complete performance overview and, and review of the whole company. Um, we'll do another one next year latest and see how we progress in that. But uh, I feel like this actually helps uh, because it helps us to identify where we can help our people to like be faster, where they need retraining, where we can support them with uh, some kind of a workshop or something like that. So. Yeah, definitely. We do do that, but we still trust our people. Yeah, without trust is hard. But uh, do you use uh, like a certain tool for for that feedback process, like like Calchamp or? So actually, we use Bamboo HR as our Bamboo HRS. HR. Okay. And in Bamboo HR, we also implemented this performance kind of review. It's a simple set of questions uh, that uh, the manager um, would uh, um, basically answer towards their uh, employees. And also their uh, team members would um, like rate their team manager and give feedback to them. And only if both of them submitted their, their review, they can uh, read it essentially. So it's a, a nice way where you're not influenced by your own feedback before you receive the other. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we basically like try to improve from that. Uh, you can also measure like a company well-being kind of score uh, inside Bamboo HR, which is quite helpful. It's basically a question of like a normal NPS score. So net promoter score, would you recommend people to work at Storyblock? Yes or no, or zero to, to 10. And we were quite nice for us. It was like a score from zero to 200. And we had like 89 in the last rating. So I'm really curious how it will be this time. Like we just did another one last week. So I'm really curious about the results. Great, great. Um, what do you think about like Sync versus Async? Like you mentioned Brazil as as, as one of your, your top locations. Uh, I guess you then have to, 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 to work in a very flexible way and have to deal with many time zones. Like what do you think? Yeah. About that. So uh, re remote work is, is not too hard when it comes to just locations, uh, but like the time zone is like the diff difficult one. Um, we tend to record a lot of our meetings, or especially our team meetings are always recorded. Uh, many, many of our colleagues also moved into uh, the async kind of way where they would record a video, uh, then post it in a certain channel for like review for others, and then only schedule like a Q&A session, uh, one in the morning, one in the late afternoon to basically cover the time zones. Because the one piece where people actually don't have to be there with you is there the the part where you, for example, present a new process, where you um, mm. present an, an update on the overall kind of architecture or something like that, where it's more like you provide information to somebody else and only the Q&A part is then uh, a synchron kind of, of communication style. And also there you can just record it or like write down like the questions and answers uh, and then note it down in Notion, which is a tool we use quite regularly. I guess then Slack and Notion uh, and so on. Slack, your, Notion, your uh, then in Slack, we use Stonet, which is like this cool kind of small kind of tool, but it's Virtual super helpful coffee. because it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's just <laughs> random coffees with the company. Uh, and it, I, I really, I really like it. Uh, it's really cool because people can suddenly communicate with different teams without them thinking about who I should talk to because it's just like random for them. And of course, people can opt out as well if they don't want to, they, they don't have to. Uh, but it's a nice way of engaging with the rest of the company that you wish, would usually not like meet in a kitchen or something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Any other like tools that belong to your your tool chain that that are quite important for the effectiveness of the process? Uh, I would say like for for the onboarding area, um, we use uh, Savvy, uh, C A V V Y, um, mm -hmm. and this one is is really really remarkable. You can basically set up a complete learning journey, uh, so that means you can. Um, define like a proper onboarding for your sales team, for your marketing team, for your um, partner team, developer team, and so on. So they have one guided go through where you have like every two days, another journey will be opened where they can basically navigate through. Uh, and you can also do some pre-onboarding. So it's, it's basically a guided learning kind of curve for current uh, learning journey that you can go through. Mm -hmm. uh, and that helped us a lot uh, in terms of onboarding. Um, for sales, we also, in addition to the normal onboarding of like Storyblock and so on, we use MindTicker, uh, which is another kind of uh, onboarding kind of tool. And those two in combination are like really, really, really helpful. Um, okay. Especially okay. with like security kind of journeys as well. Yeah, I guess onboarding is like a topic that uh, many people underestimate, right? 
Yeah, like in in a remote setup, you don't have uh, your desks, you don't have an office where you would arrive on your first day. So everybody that is listening to the podcast right now, already at least once in their life had this experience where they came to an office the first time that they started at the company. And then they were super happy that somebody actually thought about the laptop that you would need for your first day. And it was maybe hopefully on your desk uh, and you didn't have to go to IT to get a random old kind of MacBook. Uh, you would not be able to do that in a remote setup, right? So we need to first ship the equipment in a certain way. Uh, there's no onboarding uh, buddy or somebody that uh, well, like welcomes you on the first day. Um, that would be hard to do in like a physical way. But of course, we do that in a remote setting. But those things need to be scheduled because otherwise people would not know what to do, right? Like the first day at a new job, you usually get to know the coffee machine uh, and you would need to get the team. Like the, those are the two two main things. And with Storyblock, you would also need to understand the company. And we built that in this onboarding journey, which takes you four weeks, uh, four basically weeks. throughout to understand mm-hmm. like the product, the team, the processes, uh, and, and all those things. And then you actually start working for real. And is that like fully full of entertaining videos and so on of, of, of yourself? Uh- <laughs> definitely. definitely. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's a mix of all kinds of videos, but also invitations to chats with our colleagues and, and leaders. Um, from from various departments, there's information about how you can spend company money, uh, but also how you uh, like normal things like how would you like um, set up like a PTO for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, many people don't know that you can actually take vacations, <laughs> so um, we tend to try to to like tell them how to do those things really early on, and mm-hmm. we just create the videos on how to use certain things with Kombuichar, how to mm-hmm. um, do expense management, like the the boring part, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. the part mm-hmm. that gets people. Yet to be welcomed, you know, like they, they find everything immediately. If they don't find anything, they can search through it and, and find it when they need it. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice, nice thing to have. And you would actually think that normal companies, like companies that have offices, would also pay more attention to it. But this is like, if you want to take one thing away from, from this, this, this podcast now, uh, have a look at your onboarding journey for the company and the departments, write it down, use something like a, uh, Savvy or something like that, because it really, really helps you. And the Notion page with checkboxes doesn't doesn't cut it. So mm. It's a big mm. difference. Mm, mm, mm. Or the Asana project, uh, which uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, understood. Um, oh, one very important um, aspect of of remote um, is also like salaries. And and having f- concept for fair salaries um, across the the globe, how how do you manage that? Yeah, you, you mentioned GitLab before, and GitLab had this amazing kind of salary calculator the database. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And um, we do have something similar within Storyblock. Uh, it's not as sophisticated in terms of like one database where you can go through because uh, we are just not at the point where we would do that and where we would be able to to deliver like this kind of of like like clearness uh, at the point. Uh, but what we do is we bought different kind of data sets globally from uh, ranking agencies that do salary bandwidths. And then we combined it together uh, with a minimum kind of salary that we want to pay globally. So it's 2000 a month that is minimum, no matter where you are. Uh, and then depending on the local variance on the salary, we would then uh, basically rise that to whatever it is. Um, we decided against like a, a global same kind of salary uh, because uh, for us as a business, we would not be able to do that because we don't need people sitting in San Francisco all the time. That That's not the case. But maybe there's a talent that we would need, that we would need to pay more for. Mm. So we decided to have a location-based salary um, together with uh, like this kind of variance where you say, hey, there's a minimum fee that uh, everybody should should at least earn at Storyblock. And then we basically break it down on geographics and territories uh, mm-hmm. and have a range of like the top 10%, the top um, like 75% and so on. So we basically break it down by that. Uh, but there are two different kind of sides to it. And um, we also do have that argument every other month inside Storyblock, if you should change something or not. Uh, but uh, for us, as of now, like the, the idea is not to pay the same dollar amount or the same euro amount, because currencies are also different and you need to pay people in a certain currency as well. Uh, but what we decided on is that we, we have a look at uh, the, the same kind of um, yeah life kind of level. Um, and it seems to be okay for for colleagues. Okay, okay. And is it also based on on cost of living living in a way? 
to some extent, so the salary bandwidths um, do have that directly included. Um, they, they usually already built around that. So um, we are quite lucky with the way that we handle that because this, um, like the databases that we purchased, I can I can share a link later on when I'm going to share the link to the podcast. Sure. Um, where we purchased those kind of salary bandwidths um, and we then just like build it together and we try to then find like the, the, the ranges that make sense for us because of course sometimes we need to make an exception but uh, most of the time it's it's quite simple and GitLab still has an online version of their calculator mm -hmm. uh, you can find it on the web archive so if you're ah that, you can, <laughs> so you're you can secretly least, using that still <laughs> uh, you, can, you can at least make a, a, a kind of sanity check you know uh, yeah. also like buffer uh, has a lot of, of like public data uh, yeah. that you can look into and there are different options you can do and yeah, and for us, like the purchasing of the salary ranges together with uh, two persons dedicated just on the benefits inside Storybox salary and benefits is, is not something that the manager decides for themselves. They're yeah. literally persons inside Storyblock that do the benchmarking. So, okay, cool. And, and uh, would you be fine with sharing the, the data sets that you, that you purchased or is that... Uh, well, yes, of course. Um, we, we are not allowed to, to share the data itself because it's, it's a... Uh, Obviously. Like a, a, purchased one uh, but 100 we, we can share the, the sources itself yeah okay what would be interesting for the show notes maybe we can we can put it in there um, yeah sounds good. because i like i feel like that's that's a problem many cto's have uh, and are, are facing yeah. these days and <laughs> yeah and it comes down to to how you want to to set everything up because you of course also can do like the same salary on, on like global scale but what is then the the, the salary you would set up right like San Francisco base. <laughs> yeah. Then, then I, I, we would need to stop everything immediately. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. Do, 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 you, do you think that um, like back then with, with uh, GitLab, it was um, uh, kind of the, um, the, the outcome that um, there will be this global leveling out that at a certain point, uh, like people in Germany will, will have the same salary as, as people in China? Uh, or, I, or San Francisco? Do you believe in that? I don't think so. Just because of like uh, the alone the the, um, the different kind of, of of jobs, the different kind of of experiences you might need, the different kind of um, yeah rest of the economy, not just IT. Because in in the IT sector, in the software development sector, we are you know like highest paid jobs anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you just think about that, you you can not see like a global same salary. Um, across the different countries, not just in, in one company, but in general, like it's really hard to pull off. Uh, and we, we don't see it yet. So if you look into companies at the larger scale uh, that do have somewhat of um, a remote kind of idea attached to it as well, where you can actually work at home like a complete year if you want to, uh, we do see location-based salaries. And that is basically due to the differences in, in Texas, you know. Uh, there are states and countries where there's a different tax calculation based on, on, on like, yeah, for example, in, in Dubai, you don't have any kind of taxes on your salary. Uh, in Austria, there is a, a tax that you would pay yourself as an employee, plus the employer also has to pay another like 33%. So it's like the employee gives up like 40%, 30%, 50%, plus the company needs to pay 33%. So naturally, just from the tax perspective in itself, based on the different countries, you will have a difference because you have to have different yeah. salary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, do you have, do you offer global ESOP as well? Yeah, we offer the, the global uh, ESOP. It's not not an, ES an employee share option pool. It's a virtual yeah. share option pool. Um, so there's uh, an higher, like an, uh, a lawyer or a law firm uh, in Austria and also like in Central Europe. Uh, Schönher, highly recommend them. Uh, it's a really easy setup with them for an Austrian GmbH. Uh, it was a really hard process to get to the point, uh, but uh, with them, it was super nice for an Austrian company. Uh, the, the easiest thing you can do is to actually not establish a company in, in Germany or Austria. Uh, just take like a UK limited or like a, a Delaware, Wyoming kind of uh, like a limited company and, and do it there because the moment you like, start, you already have all the documents. Mm. Like literally, it's the easiest thing you can do. Um, mm, mm. Yeah, it, it's, it's challenging. <laughs> Okay, so if you can turn back time, you would maybe found an LSC and most likely Delaware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, and it, because it it makes um, 
not too much different uh, difference in, in in the way we would operate Storyblock today. Uh, but it would make a lot of of bureaucracy and a lot of things that are just due to Austria really really simple. Literally talking about like signing uh, an investment uh, kind of of document. You don't need to have a notary uh, go with you like line by line, read it out loud, and then have like ten people sign it. You can just send out the DocuSign, and that's such a relief if you would be able to do that. But mm, mm. yeah, takes a while. Yeah. Same, 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 same here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, slowly coming to the end, I, I think it's like quite good answers that you gave me. Um, and I, I still like to hear what the best thing of being a remote first company is and what the worst thing from your perspective is. Please be honest. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I'm sure there are downsides. Yes, uh, there, there are a lot of downsides uh, as well. Um, but to, to start with the, with the best thing, the best thing is you can just experience so many different cultures. Uh, and the worst thing is you can experience so many different cultures. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> not not in, in, in a bad way, but the, the cool thing is um, you experience people on the day-by-day -day kind of, of, of basis. So you experience like the, the highlights for them and also the lowlights of their life. And that's true for every company. And you can see how people in different cultures react differently to different news, right? So there are people that uh, lost um, close relatives that you thought, okay, hey, you should maybe take some time off. And they're like, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm totally good. Uh, and then there are people that actually come to you, hey, I actually do need time off now for like at least two weeks. So there's those different kind of cultural nuances that you experience and they can either be like really, really nice or they can be really, really heavy. So mm -hmm. uh, there are all kinds of variations. And the problem with remote work, if you're coming to the, to the worst thing, um, You don't see it on your day-by-day -day kind of meetings. You would see it in a coffee chat that people are, like one person might not doing that well. And uh, there were um, like severe kind of mental issues with one of our colleagues um, like a couple of, of months ago uh, to the point where it was not, not, not uh, healthy at all. Uh, so we were able to help that person um, like and, and move forward. But there are some really, really things that you would see in an office that you would not see in a remote Uh, kind of company because of the distance that you would still have on your day-by-day -day job. So mm -hmm. um, prepare yourself to to experience something like that because at a certain point with more people, uh, you will you will see that uh, sooner than later. But mm -hmm. the nice thing is you would experience so many, many, many highlights that outlights like the, the lowlights for sure. Like one thing is everybody globally is, is like loves their food and people would like share so many pictures of different cuisines and cultures. And the best thing is we, we have this complete food guide in Storyblock. Like literally globally, we have like a 92 pages full of restaurants where you should actually meet <laughs> and, and go to uh, if you're in certain countries. And those are things that I would never experience in like a normal office kind of company. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe in the city that I have the office where, hey, yeah, this is a good recommendation, but then mm -hmm. you get like 235 times the same recommendation. Uh, and for us, it's like hundreds of restaurants globally uh, that they would like really tell you to go to. So, yeah, hope that, that that's cool. Both yeah, that's that's really different. That's really different. Um, and if you could um, give three top tips or hints for for CTOs that want to go fully remote, uh, which which three would it be? Yeah, if if you really consider fully remote, uh, you cannot do it on your own in your own department. It's something yeah, sure. that the whole company needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the first tip. Tip: If you really want to do that, your whole company needs to to pull that string, uh, because otherwise you're building two organizations. Uh, second one is: um, If you want to hire exceptional people, don't expect them to be in your 10 kilometer radius. Uh, expect them to sit somewhere um, it, at the bottom of the Himalaya. I'm not not kidding, uh, <laughs> and like have like the the best life there, and you just like employ them for an employer record. And the third thing is like uh, get onboarding right. Uh, the more people understand about your product itself before they touch a code base, the better it will be in like a month or two from now. So try to give them like an insight of how things work inside the company, inside the product, how uh, the complete architecture of your, your complete product looks like. So they have an understanding, okay, if I touch this code here, this is not just uh, like isolated in this one like area it can completely uh, destroy the whole infrastructure or the other way around. So it's, Giving giving them a proper onboarding with a bigger picture is like the, your gold. Yeah, 
um, obviously you somehow have to transport your your culture as well, right? Uh, which of course, of course can be hard in just written form or just just I don't know. Oh, you can few. make some funny videos. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Then um, I still have a little surprise for you. Um, Your your partner Alex um, uh, told me about that little Easter egg in your API product, which he is building. Um, it, it is called Time Machine, and um, through that you have you have the chance to, to to travel back in time for almost every entity in uh, in your content repository. Um, and 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 there's actually one article about yourself um, in in that in, in that story blog content repository, and and we now have the chance to really like travel back in time. To the year 2012, when you just started off as a freelance consultant um, back Oof. then, and and you now have the chance, like we with we 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 uh, see, like observe yourself for a while. Um, you were working like in different um, projects in your agency, and uh, just just got started. Um, and and you now have the chance to whisper something um, into young Dominic's ears. What would it be? Oof. Ah, just keep going. Uh, there, there will be lowlights. <laughs> there will be super, super nice things. Just keep going. It all levels out. <laughs> yeah. okay. No, no. But seriously, there are things where you're like, I'm so short of quitting everything, uh, and that's normal if you build companies or if you build like things inside an agency because it's stressful. So just keep going. It, it's super fun, you know. Uh, and of course, there are some days where like, ah, I better not go out of the bed. But the next day, you're like, ah, yeah, now I can move mountains again. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, was really lots of fun talking to you. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so a super nice guy, and I hope we have the chance in the future again. Um, And uh, maybe meet at OMR this year or something like that. 100%. I hope you, you, you're going to be there. Um, and um, yeah, it was, was really fun. Same for me too. Thanks for having me again. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the AlphaList podcast. If you like this episode, share it with friends. I'm sure they'll love it too. Make sure to subscribe so you can hear deep insights into technical leadership and technology trends as they become available. Also, please tell us if there is a topic you would like to hear more about or a technical leader whose brain you would like us to pick. AlphaList is all about helping CTOs getting access to the insights they need to make the best decisions for their company. Please send us suggestions to cto at alphalist.com. Send me a message on LinkedIn or Twitter. After all, the more knowledge we bring to CTOs, the more growth we see in tech. Or as we say on AlphaList, accumulated knowledge to accelerate growth. See you in the next episode.